This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. How's everybody doing so far this morning? Good, good, good. Hey, I wanna welcome you. If I haven't already, my name's Colby. I'm the pastor here. Maybe this is your first time checking out Elevate Church, where we're honored that you would spend just a, an hour or so with us today and kind of kick the tires on what the whole church thing looks like. Maybe you're gonna uh, kind of have questions about who God is and what he wants for your life. And I just thank you for, for creating space this morning just to allow him to speak to where you are, and you're really diving in into uh, the middle of a series called Four Cups, this journey that we've been on, based on a book written by my pastor, uh, Chris Hodges, and it's this book right here. We, we're going to have some more of these available for you at the Hub. We've been running out of those, but if you want to pick up that book, and it's really about this journey that God wants to take every single person in this room on. No matter where you find yourself this morning, no matter if you, you know who God is, you have a relationship with God, or if you've been following him for, for 30 years or for 30 minutes, it doesn't matter. We all have a journey to take. And this book, Four Cups, really kind of outlines that journey. And this church is structured strategically around these four cups as well. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Exodus chapter six. I'll give you a, a quick kind of review, some catch up of where we've been, but I would encourage you to download the app because you can get online, you can get on the website and you can follow up on messages uh, that have passed as well. So diving in uh, to the book, the four cups idea comes from the four I will statements that God gives Moses as he calls him to lead his nation, his people out of Egypt, out of captivity into the promised land. If you remember that story, he says, hey, I want to, you to lead my people to freedom, to, to set them free. They're, they're in bondage in Egypt. And Moses goes, all right, I don't know how I'm gonna do that. And God said, I'll help you. I'll, I'll, I'll encourage you with, with signs and wonders and make sure that Pharaoh, his heart gets softened in order to, to let my people go. You know, the whole, let my people go kind of thing. You know that story? And so he goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, let my people go. And he says, not happening. Like, those people are my workforce. Those people, you know, are my brick makers. They're not going anywhere. And so God sends these plagues. Uh, if you recall the plagues, plagues are like frogs, locusts, flies, uh, hail, you know, just all kinds of different things. And it, and it doesn't make Pharaoh's heart softer. It actually makes it harder. So God says, all right, I'm going to send a final plague. And that is I'm going to kill every firstborn male in every household and, and including the animals. And so he didn't want to kill the, the Israelite males. God said, here's what you need to do. If you're an Israelite, you need to take the, the lamb, a spotless lamb, a blemish-free lamb, sacrifice it, take its blood, put it across the door frame of the house, the doorpost of your house. And that way, I'll know when the death angel comes to pass over you. And so that's what happened. 
The death angel came, passed over the houses of the Israelites, but not of the Egyptians. And so Pharaoh immediately was like, all right, get out of here. They were worried that God was gonna kill them all, so you guys go ahead and get out of here. And God said, all right, I want you now to remember that day. Like, remember the day I set you free. Remember the day I passed over your homes and set you free from captivity in Egypt. And so that's what they do to this day. The Jewish people still every year celebrate the Passover feast, and they do it uh, by taking communion a little differently than we do. They don't take just one cup. They take four cups, remembering these four promises of God that we're gonna look at. And what's cool to think is that on the Last Supper, what we're gonna celebrate this coming Friday, by the way, the Last Supper, the Passover meal, Jesus would have gathered together with his disciples in this upper room, and they would have done the same thing. Not one cup, but four cups, remembering these promises of God until ultimately, which is cool to think, something changed that night. Like, at some point they realized, wait a second, Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus is the one that's gonna fulfill all these promises. You and I, we celebrate Easter. We celebrate, uh, instead of Passover, Easter, that Jesus was the ultimate, final fulfillment of the Passover lamb. Other places in scripture, he's called the lamb of God. So that's what we celebrate. But God says, I want you to look at these four promises that I'm gonna make you. This, this journey that I wanna take you on. So let's refresh what that looks like. Exodus chapter six, starting in verse six, God says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. That's cup number one. Like the first thing I wanna do is I just wanna get you out from where you are into my presence, into where I want you to be. You can't experience freedom while you're in captivity. So I want to make sure that I bring you out. I wanna save you. Then he says, I will free you. So he's saying, I'm gonna free you, then I'm gonna free you, which is weird, right? You're like, why is that in there? It's a little redundant. Colby, you know, didn't he already do that? Actually, no, he got them out of Egypt, but now God wants to get the Egypt out of them, right? Because they've been in 400 years of captivity, so they still have this heart of bondage, and he says, hey, um, you're free, but now I need to teach you how to freely live, how to live this life, and if I've brought you out of bondage, why on earth would you want to stay in there? So I want to free you, and that's what we're gonna talk about today from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you, which means restore you which means to put you back to your original design, your original purpose, and here's what you need to know about that. Every single person in this room, God created on purpose for purpose. Like he wired you a certain way. Uh, he has a plan for your life, and you should know that, and you should discover what that purpose is. He says, I'll redeem you, and then I will take you as my own people. Now he's not just talking about you individually, but he's talking about you together now as this people, as this, this group. He says, I'm gonna bring you into my family. I'm gonna adopt you. I'm gonna make you a missional community in order to make a difference. And he says, that's when you're really going to understand what this is all about. You're really gonna get then that I am the Lord, your God. You're really gonna start to live a life that makes a difference and be fulfilled. So if you're taking notes or if you have them from last week, the first cup, Jot it down, is the cup of sanctification. That's salvation. And if I'm honest, we get this wrong a lot of times. Like sometimes even in the church, we can think, you know, 
um, that somebody will walk in the doors and not in the same place in the journey as we are. Maybe they don't know God, and so we can think, hey, 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 before you come into God's presence, you need to do some stuff. You need to clean yourself up. You need to get your act together. You need to do some things before you come in here and worship. And God says, no, that's not it at all. I want you to come exactly as you are, with all your stuff, with all your hurts, with all your hangups, like you bring it all on. My, my goal is just to, to first save you. That's why it's salvation, the cup of sanctification. We talked about that last week. I want to rescue you. Then he says, I'm going to free you, which is the cup of deliverance. Deliverance, which just talks about freedom. And this is all we're going to talk about today. I'm going to give you the what, the how, the why. We're going to make this very practical. But then God says, I want to redeem you which is the cup of redemption or restoration. You can think of it like uh, you go to the junkyard, you get an old car, right, that you want to restore. You want to put it back to its original purpose, its original design. So maybe there's some rust that you gotta take care of. Maybe there's some jacked up upholstery, you know, that you gotta, you know, reupholster. You know, some of you guys like this process of restoring, you know, old cars back to their original glory. Some of you have been restoring the same car for like years now. Like, you're not restoring it, you are storing it. That's all you're doing, all right? Hey, it's time to get on it, all right? Just saying. But this is what God wants to do with every single person. He wants to restore you back to your original design. Breathe, breathe a new life back into you. Make sure you understand your purpose that he has for you. And then ultimately, is when you feel the, the cup of praise. That's the final cup, the fourth cup. This is the cup of fulfillment. And I'm thinking, hey, after four cups of wine, I'm ready to get my praise on too. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of wine, right? And so he says, uh, this, is the, this is the process. I wanna save you. I wanna free you from bondage, from these things in your life. I want to restore you back to your original design and I ultimately wanna see you live this fulfilled life. That's the journey you're on. That's the journey this church is on. The way we say it, we want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And again, every single person in this room is on that journey. I don't know where you are, but you're on that journey, and so am I. And my job as a pastor really is to help lead you to what that next step is in your life. What is the next promise of God that he wants to see fulfilled in your life? So the one we're going to talk about today is the second cup, the cup of uh, deliverance. This is freedom. It's all about Freedom, And I want to make sure today that you understand the difference between the first one and the second one, because there's a lot of confusion around it. And the reason we need to know the difference is, jot this down, salvation is simple, freedom is a process. You might not realize that, but salvation, uh, the moment that we are, are rescued, the moment we are saved, that's easy. Freedom is a process. Freedom takes work, and I'd say it takes work daily for us. Because here's, here's what happens sometimes. Last week, there were probably no fewer than 40 people that raised their hand, that, that made a commitment to receive Jesus, to follow Jesus, to be saved. And that's awesome. We've seen hundreds of people do that so far this year. And that stands alone. That stands alone. That's a free gift. All you have to do is receive it. We're gonna, gonna talk about that. But sometimes you can see a church that's, that's growing, and from the outside, and I've been guilty of this too, you can say, well, they must be doing something wrong. Like to see all that growth, 
You know, they must not be giving them the full gospel. Maybe you've said that. Maybe you said that about this church. You're busted, just saying. Like, they, they must be doing something wrong. It can't be that easy for people to come and get, get saved, right? It must be, they must not be sharing it all, which I would say, um, since when was the gospel meant to repel people in the first place? It was never meant to repel people. You look at the life of Jesus. He didn't repel people. People were attracted to him. And people that were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. So why on earth would we think it's different? So we'll say things. It just they must be, you know, not giving the full gospel. It might just be too easy for them to get it. And here's what you need to know. Um, it is easy. But we're not the ones making it easy. God made it easy. And he intentionally made it that way so that you wouldn't take credit for it. Listen to me, there is nothing difficult about salvation. There is absolutely nothing difficult about it. And God made it that way so that we wouldn't associate it with anything that we have to do. Let's look at it, Ephesians chapter two. It says, God saved you by his, what's that word? Grace. And a lot of people have problems with that word. A lot of people think, well, it can't be that easy, right? Grace sounds too, too simple. You know, something's missing in that. They can't wrap their mind around that grace, but God saved you by his grace when you, that's it. It's just that easy. He says, you didn't have to, you didn't have to come to church more. You don't have to sing more songs. You don't have to change your life. You don't have to look any different. You don't have to get rid of your anger issues yet. We'll talk about that. We'll work on that. All you have to do is believe. And the moment you believe, you receive so that you don't take credit for it. It's nothing that, that you did. It is this free gift of God. God says, I want to save you. I want to pull you out. That's cup number one, and I'm offering it to you freely. And many of you took that last week. Keep reading. It says, salvation is not a reward for the good stuff that you did. Just make sure you're clear about this. It had nothing to do with you so that none of you can boast about it. None of you can say that we did it. So here's the confusion. Because people go, okay, you know, it's hard for me to understand that. It's hard for me to get that whole grace thing. Because why does the Bible then talk about so much how I need to live my life? Why does it say so much about the way I'm supposed to, to live, the, the things that it wants me to do? Because there's grace, but then also maybe you've heard there's works as well. There's grace and works, but God wants to make sure that you don't mix these two together. Make sure that, that your works aren't mixed with that first cup. The moment Jesus sweeps in and saves, saves you, it's something that happens instantaneously. It erases everything in our, our, our life, all our sin, and begins that process of change. But if you mix the two, and the changing becomes part of the salvation process, then you are likely to take credit for your salvation, and they're very different. They're very distinct. In fact, I'll show it to you in Philippians 2.12. It says, now work hard not to get saved, but to show the results of your salvation. You're already saved, but now it's gonna take some work, and guess what? That's what we're gonna do today. Like, I'm gonna challenge you. I'm gonna give you some practical steps that it's going to take some work. He says to work to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with a deep reverence and fear, for God is now going to work in you. 
So your salvation is the starting point of something that's going to take place, this process that God wants to, to work in our lives, to work through you. He goes on to say, I'm gonna do two things. I'm gonna give you new desires and the power to do it. You know, so those old feelings, those old thoughts, those old things that, that you wanna do, like if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation, the old is gone. I'm gonna give you new desires, new motivation in your life, but not just that. I'm gonna give you the power in order to do these things. Write this down. Salvation happens in an instant, in a moment. Freedom happens over a lifetime. It's a process. Salvation happened the moment that you believed and received. You didn't have to check a box. You didn't even have to raise your hand. You didn't have to do anything other than believe that God sent Jesus to pay for your sins once and for all on the cross, that God raised him from the dead. And if you confessed him as Lord, you believed in your heart, the Bible says you're saved. It happened then. It's the second part that messes with us. It's the second part, this, this part that now we have to work on, this process of becoming free. And he says, I'm gonna give you the power to do it, but it's going to be work. You're gonna have to work hard to show the results of your salvation. Why is it that way? Here's why. You and I are a triune being. I don't know if you realize that or not. We're a triune being. There are three parts to every person in this room. We are a body, and that's the physical part. That's the part that we see, right? The body, and, and you know, our body has all kinds of issues. It has all kinds of desires. It has all kinds of cravings. The body wants to do things that the body wants to do, right? My body wants to eat all the time, just saying. Eat sugar, mainly. You know, I, I have these cravings. So our bodies have, have issues. But if your body's in control, you know, of you, then it's gonna, it's gonna wreck your life. You can't let the body control. It's not good at driving. But we also have a soul. So we have a body, the physical part of us, but then we also have this soul. That's our thoughts. That's our emotions. Those are maybe our, our feelings, our, our will, and you don't want your soul in control either because if your emotions lead, then that's gonna lead you to destruction as well. Neither one of these are great in the driver's seat. So we have a body, we have a soul, and the third part of us that, that you and I are really the only ones that have this is the spirit. And that's the part of us that's like God. That's the part of us that God placed of himself inside of us. In Genesis, the Bible tells us that we are all created in the image of God. What does that mean? It means I look like God? No, God is, is a spirit, and so he placed his spirit inside of you. And by the way, this is the part of you that doesn't die. This is the part of you that lives forever. So we are body, soul, and we are spirit. Now here's where this gets good. The moment you said yes to Jesus, the moment uh, you cross that line. The moment you allow God to rescue you, to, to pull you out of Egypt, to pull you out of bondage and slavery, your spirit was made perfect. Like that's a good day for you, that you did that. Your spirit was, was made whole. In fact, the Bible says he doesn't just forgive you of your sins, like he wipes it out. Like he removes it as far as the east is from the west. Like you have a clean slate, you have a fresh start. He gives you a new heart. Like that's a good day. You want that day the moment you call on his name. And here's why this is important to know that you're made perfect is because you can't be in God's presence unless you've been made perfect. 
And so I would encourage you, if you've never crossed that line, you never said yes to Jesus, maybe that's why you're here. But the problem is, even though this part is perfect, guess what? Not so much. We're still dragging these along with us, right? These, These guys, body and soul, are along for the ride. They still haven't figured this out yet. And this really is why it's a lifelong journey of working on these issues. This is why someone who is saved, who's a Christian, can go to heaven and still battle lust, still battle um, all, all these, these cravings that we have, can still battle our thoughts, can still battle you know, these emotions, what our, our will wants to do. And here's the thing, that's, that's okay, but God does not want you to stay there. He freed you, now he wants you to live freely. So here's the goal. And here's why we do what we do. Here's why we are even in this series in the first place is to help get this part stronger than these two. Because when your spirit is is driving, when your spirit is stronger, it will influence your soul and your body. It will influence the decisions that you make. It will influence the things that you do. But if it's weaker than the body and the soul, guess who's driving? your body and your soul. And these make terrible drivers because body doesn't care about your soul. Body doesn't care. I'll sleep with who I want. I'll do what I want. I'll eat what I want. It really doesn't matter. I don't care about my feelings, the way it hurts me and affects me, the impact that it has. I just want what I want. That's what body says. Soul says, I don't care about the body. Like, I don't care if, if what I do hurts the body. I don't care if, if my depression leads to, to suicide, right? That's why suicide rates are so high. I don't care if it hurts me because soul is driving. Neither one of these are good drivers. What The goal is to systematically shut the door on soul and body and to strengthen the spirit man inside of us. So that's what we're going to do. But here's what you need to know. It takes work. And the reality is most of us can identify with this, that we, we know uh, many of you in this room are saved, but you still have a body, you still have a soul that's driving, that's calling the shots in your life. So I wanna share with you three areas that you can experience freedom, three areas right now, I want you to jot these down, that come straight from Chris Hodges, straight from his book, that you and I are able to begin this process of freedom, and the first one is this, write it down, that we can have victory over sin. Now, I'm not saying you'll never sin again. I'm not saying that you will never screw up, that you'll never make mistakes again, but I'm saying that we don't have to fall victim to the same sins over and over and over in our life. Like, we don't have to fall victim to these same patterns over and over. It's not that you just relegate yourself to, well, this is just the way I am. Like, I'm just gonna, uh, my dad did this, so I did this. My mom did this, so I did this. This is just who I am. I'm just gonna play the victim card my whole life. Here's what I've learned. Victims never walk in victory. And if you wanna have victory over this, this sin, and let's define sin. Sin is, we're talking about the things that, that you do to yourself right now. We'll talk about the other stuff, but let's talk about the things you do to yourself, the, the decisions that you make. Not the devil made you do it, not some mean piece, mean person, uh, piece in, I don't know what a piece in is, person hurts you. But the things that you do, the bad decisions that you make, that I make because of body 
and soul, that's what I'm talking about, is, is that sin. Well, Colby, can I still go to heaven with these issues? Can I still go to heaven and wrestle with this sin in my life? Yes, you can. If you've said yes to Jesus, but here's what the Bible says. Anyone who loves God will not continue in that sin. At some point, listen to me, you gotta shut it down. At some point, you gotta kill it. At some point, what's been driving you and these, these bad decisions and these things that, that you're doing, you have to work through. Absolutely, you can go to heaven, but you gotta shut it down. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, 21 through 25. He says, I have a law going on inside of me. And by the way, this was meant to encourage you. Here's, here's a guy who is a, an incredible church planter. He planted churches all throughout the Mediterranean rim. The guy who wrote a large part of the New Testament who's close to God as, as anyone you would think. And he's struggling with this. He says, I find this law at work within me. Although I want to do good, spirit man, like the spirit inside of me, this part that's made perfect, I wanna do good, evil is right there with me. That's body and soul. I want this, but this is what happens. Keep going. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Again, that spirit man. Spirit man wanting to come out. Spirit man wanting to drive, wanting to be strong. But I see this other law at work within me. Waging war against the law of my mind. That's that soul making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. Paul's like going, really? Like, am I really gonna always have to to live my life with, with body and soul driving? Am I always gonna have to have these influencing everything I do? Then he kind of fusses at himself and he's like, man, I'm such a punk. Like, Paul, why are you such a punk, man? Like, what, what a wretched person I am. Hey, have you ever felt that way? Why do I keep going back? Why do I keep doing the same stuff over and over again? Then he asks this question, he says, and I want you to remember this question, who will rescue me from this body? In other words, I want my body to stop leading. I want my soul to stop, stop leading. Who's gonna rescue me from this body that says that is subject to death? Then he says, the answer is thanks be to God. Who, what's this word? That's cup two. The cup of deliverance. And notice that it's not past tense, it's not delivered, it is delivers. So it is ongoing, it is this continuous process, it is work to show the results of our salvation who delivers me, and the way it happens is through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I can be a Christian, you can be a Christian, but still have this life that's dominated by body, by soul, by the sin in our lives, but we can be delivered through Jesus. We'll talk about that in a moment. The second area we can have freedom, jot this down, is healing from hurts. We can experience freedom and healing from, from hurts. Now, this is not just your own sin. This is not just the mistakes that you've made, your dumb decisions of sin uh, we define as the things that, that we do. Hurts are the things that others do to us, the things that we hold on to. Maybe the unforgiveness, maybe the bitterness that, that is in our, our hearts. Someone disappointed you, someone abandoned you. Maybe someone um, walked all over you or walked out on you. And it usually shows up in the form of, of betrayal 
or divorce. Maybe, maybe it's a tragedy that happened in your life. The passing of someone that you, you had no idea. You know, that day was, was coming. And you're like, I'm hurt. I don't know how to let go of this. I'm gonna hold on to this thing in my life. I'm messed up, but here's what you need to know. If you don't deal with it once and for all, you're never gonna move to cups three and four. You'll never get there. I love what Pastor Chris writes in his book. He says, you can't go on to tomorrow's work until you've settled yesterday's mess. That's so good. And here's what you need to know. The enemy wants this to be a period right here. You can't go on to tomorrow's work, period. Like, he doesn't want you to move on. He doesn't want you to get past that. He doesn't want you to get past the pain that's in your life, those things that are holding you down. He, he doesn't want you to let go of unforgiveness and bitterness because he knows that if you ever move beyond cup number two to three and four to, to being redeemed and restored and finding fulfillment, that's when you change the world. And he doesn't want you to do that. And so look at it. Look what he does in Ephesians 4. He says, and the Bible says, and don't sin by letting anger control you, by letting the devil make you uh, upset, get you mad about something, get you holding on to something, because he knows if he can, it will control you. It'll control your actions, your thoughts. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry, for anger gives the enemy a foothold. So you're loving God. You're going to heaven. This is not a heaven and hell issue, but there's something you haven't let go of. And it's giving the devil, the enemy, a foothold in your life. You haven't worked past the past. You haven't worked past those hurts in your life. And if you're unable to move beyond past hurts, you'll never walk in the freedom of God's plans. It never happens. So we have to learn to move beyond and refine healing from hurts. And the last thing, jot this down, is we need to learn how to take authority over the enemy. Now, I know you see this up here, and I don't know what's going through your mind. I don't know the way you feel about, you know, authority over the enemy. What's all that about? Maybe you think, hey, that's some, like, hocus-pocus kind of talk. It's a little spooky. It's a little weird. It's a little out there. What do you mean? Uh, I don't know what you think about it, but I have news for you that we have an enemy. We talked about him last week that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. We have an enemy, the Bible says, it's prowling around like a lion, like waiting to devour you. That's like his goal. So you don't even need to make bad choices. You don't need to, to get beyond the hurts that are in your life. You have someone that wants to take you out and destroy you. And it's critical if we wanna get to freedom to learn how to take authority over the enemy in our life. How do we do that? Ephesians 6.10 says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Like right now, here's what you need to know. The enemy is plotting against you. He's all up in a conference room on a whiteboard and he's like, how am I gonna take you out? And by the way, he knows the best way to do it. He knows, in fact, I would say he's being more intentional in scheming than you and I are in standing. Are you standing? Are you standing more than he's scheming in your life? He says you need to take your stand against the devil's scheme for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, body and soul. 
but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. You mean, Colby, that's all going on right now? Yes, it is. This is what God's word tells us. So how, how then do I find freedom? How then do I move forward? If I have all this stuff, if I have you know, my own sin, if I have, you know, the, the sin that I'm holding, you know, from others that, that have hurt me, if I have the enemy, right, that's always constantly after me, trying to destroy me, how do I overcome this? Well, if you remember, what did Paul say in Romans 7? He said, man, who's gonna rescue me? Who's gonna help me overcome this? Who's gonna rescue me from this, this body of death? How do I find freedom? Well, it doesn't stop there. He continues on in the next chapter, the very next verse, 8-1, he says this, there is now, here's where you start, no condemnation. I need you to hear me. If you want to drink from cup two, if you really want to hold on to the, the promise of God that he wants to set you free, you cannot allow condemnation to keep you from being free. You cannot allow your own shame, your own guilt to keep you from freedom. And the reality is, whether you would talk about it or not, many of us are holding on to condemnation. And what we've learned in the church and world is how to fake it, is how to pretend like everything's okay so I don't have to really talk about the things I feel guilty for, the things I feel, you know, shame for. In fact, you, you did this today. You walked through those doors after arguing the whole way to church with your wife or swatting at your kids in the back seat, right? Shut up back there. And you walked through those doors like everything was okay. How are you today? I'm great. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. We've become really good at faking it. You will never find freedom hiding from condemnation. Never. Like, never. And so I think that's why Paul really starts here and says, hey, hey, the first thing you need to know, like, about freedom, the first thing you need to know about what God wants to do is there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you, again, that's cup two, from the power of sin that leads to death. I want you to find this, this freedom. In verse five, skip down, he says, so first of all, there's no condemnation. Then here's what you need to know. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, body and soul, think about body and and soul, think about these thin, sinful things. In other words, hey, you're, you're focused on it. You're thinking about it. You're, 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 you're always thinking about the wrong thing, but those who are controlled by the spirit, who lets the spirit man dominate and lead and influence their life, they think about something better. They think about things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are, are praiseworthy. He says, you think about better things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. That keeps you stuck. It keeps you in this, this cyclical pattern of sin. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. In other words, that leads to cups number three and four, finding fulfillment. So let me ask you this, this question as I begin to land this beast right here. 
The Bible says the reason that you stay stuck, two things in these passages. First of all, is that you're unable to get past your shame and your guilt. Condemnation is, is controlling that. And you need to open up and you need to be honest about your issues. But then he says in the second half is, now I gotta change the way you think. I've gotta change my, my thought process. Let me ask you this question. What has the most influence over the way you think? People. It's the people in your life. It's the people that is where you, you find the most influence. They're your greatest point of influence, the greatest point of your decision-making, the things that you do, it's people. It's been said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Like, show me, show me who you're running with, right? And, and I'll show you where you're running to. Like, like, it's people that are one of your greatest influences in life so that if I wanna change, if I wanna move past this body of death, if I wanna begin this process of freedom, well, I first gotta change the way I think, and if I'm gonna change the way I think, then I need to change the influences that are in my life. So write this down. The key to freedom is relationships. It's relationships. Proverbs 28, 13 says, if you're gonna be a person who conceals your sin, if you're always gonna say, you know what, I got this, this is a me thing, it's my deal, maybe it's a, it's a me and God thing and we're gonna work this out together. If that's gonna be you, that person never prospers, but he who confesses and renounces your problems, in other words, I'm not gonna allow condemnation keep me from, from sharing, from, from forming the right kind of, of relationships, that person is gonna find mercy. Now, you might push back and say, well, that, that's talking about, you know, confessing to God. That's to God. And I would, I would argue that because we do confess to God. In fact, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess to God, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins. Like God, when we confess to God, he forgives us of the things that we've done. But he doesn't keep you from doing it again. He forgives you for it, but he probably won't keep you from doing it again. So how do we keep from doing it again. Well, James 5 gives us the answer, confess your sins to each other like another person and go ahead and pray for them and that's when you're going to be healed. So people can't forgive you. Only God forgives you. But people and the right people can help to heal you. And that's important to know. In fact, here's how we say it. We go to God for forgiveness and we go to God's people for healing. I'm gonna have Dave come out. And here's, here's what I wanna say as, as we close, is that every time you read scripture and God talks about his people, he talks about his people as this, this group. Uh, a lot of times you're, you're referred to as the family of God. You're referred to as this, this flock, right? We have this flock, this, this group of people that has a shepherd. You know, we're called the body of Christ, that it's people together, that we're just one part, but we need the other parts. In other words, notice it's all about groups. It's all about being together. What does that mean? It means that God designed this in such a way that you're never gonna find true freedom apart from true community, apart from true relationships, apart from authentic uh, uh, friendships. Write this down. Another key is getting real with people 
leads to finding real freedom. I want to close this a little bit differently. I said last week we had about 40 people or so make decisions, and that's awesome. We've had, you know, hundreds of people this year, you know, make decisions, commit their lives to Jesus. They, they received cup one, received salvation, and that's great. But now let me challenge you. You have another step to take. Like that's salvation, and God needed to get you out of where you were, not from anything that you could do, He didn't care about the way you looked, what you did, what you said, you know, who you were with. He didn't care about any of that. He wanted to take you from where you were into his presence. Now he has some things that he wants to take you through, this process that he wants to do in your life. And I'm going to get super practical and give you a few steps that you can take. And this, this might be you today. And that is if you said yes to Jesus recently in the last year or whenever, but you've never been baptized, that's your first step is to get baptized. Get baptized. Like I think one of the first steps to our freedom is to go public with the faith that we have. Baptism is not salvation. And I don't even say you have to do it, but I think we just wanna model the example of Christ in the Bible. And he says, baptism is not salvation. Uh, It doesn't mean you're saved uh, as much as this wedding ring means I'm married. Like, this wedding ring is simply a symbol of the covenant that I've made with my wife. It's it's an outward sign of something that we have together. That's what baptism is. Oftentimes, it's it's called the the wedding ring of Christianity. You're putting on the wedding ring. You're saying uh, outwardly about this thing that's happened internally in your heart. So I would encourage you, get baptized. Like, take that first step. Go public. Say, I'm on team Jesus, and and I'm going to live for him. And if you haven't been baptized, or maybe you were baptized as a child or an infant, like, I would encourage you, read the scriptures. All 27 accounts in the New Testament happened after someone believed, never before. So if you recently or ever have put your faith in Jesus, but you've never been baptized, I would say start there. I think that's a great start, a great step for you to take. The next one, I would say join a team. And here's what I need you to know. I'm not talking about just this church. But you need to get plugged in in a church. Like, you really do. And if it's, if it's not here, like, there are no fewer than 10 great churches that I could tell you right here in our city that you could go in and get involved in. Like, honestly, because there are about, like, 30 verses in the New Testament you can't do unless you are engaged in community. And you should be using your gifts You should be serving. You should be, you know, using what God has given you in the body of Christ. It's a great step to take. And for some of you, that's your next step to take. You need to to get plugged in. That's why we always talk about Crash Course. and, And this week is week four of Crash Course, which means, like, here's the challenge to serve. You could stay right after the service. And you can eat and hang out, and we'll, we'll get you plugged into a team. If that's, if that's your next step, I would say that. And then, then the last one I'd say, probably one of the most important is find a few. Because you weren't designed to do life alone, because there's no such thing as a lone wolf, because God created you for relationships, there needs to be people in your life that know what your body wants, that know what your mind is thinking, 
to know the cravings that you have that can hold you accountable. And for guys, here's what I tell you guys. I'd say you need to have a, a father figure speaking into your life. You need to have almost like a grandfather type of figure. And you, you need to have that crazy uncle, you know, that'll tell you what's up to. But surround yourself, find a few that you can do life with to say, hey, here's, here's what's going on. Here's, here's the issues that I have. I need you to help me. Don't wait for small groups. Don't wait for, you know, the next season of that. Like today, like find some people that you can surround with yourself with and do life with. Be baptized, join a team, find a few. For some of you, one of these is your next step. And so let's do this right now. Would you bow your head? We're all on this journey. And I probably don't even need to dwell on this very long because you know exactly what your next step is. You know that maybe you're saved, but you're allowing body to call the shots. And if it's the same thing over and over and over again, God wants you to have victory from that sin in your life. And not only will he give you new desires, but he's also gonna give you the power to do it, his Holy Spirit power in your life to do it if you let him. But you need to find some people. We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to others for healing. Find a few and do that, would you? And then there are those of you that you haven't even begun this journey and this is why you're here for this moment right now. To take step one, to receive salvation. Here's what you need to know. It's a free gift. God says, come as you are. All you have to do is believe in my son Jesus, and you have to receive the price that he paid for you. And you should know that Jesus paid an incredible price. It was his blood shed on the cross that it acts as the blood to the doorpost, to the doorframe of our heart, that when God sees that, he passes over. That that means he doesn't hold our sins accountable, us accountable for our sins anymore, that he removes them, he gives you a fresh start that your spirit in that moment is made perfect and clean. And that's what God wants to do in your life today. And if that's you, you'd say, Colby, that's, that's why I'm here. That's what I need. That's, that's the, the, the start that I have to have. I'm gonna invite you in just a moment to pray this prayer. So there's, there's that first invitation. In fact, let's do that now. If you'd say, Colby, when you, when you pray that prayer, I'm praying right along with you that I need to receive salvation. I need to receive cup one into my, my life, this free gift from God. It's his grace. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? No one's looking around. Just kind of hold it up high in an act of surrender saying today, like that's what I need. This is why I'm here. Don't be embarrassed. Hey, there's no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ. Just hold it up high. That's awesome, you guys. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Put your hands down. And you can repeat this prayer. You can say something like this. Keep it simple. Salvation is easy. And it's a free gift. Say, Jesus, thank you for this free gift of salvation. Today, I surrender my life to you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again so that I could have freedom. And so today, I confess you as Lord and the savior of my life, in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed, 
eyes closed, here's the second invitation. For those of you that would say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, but there are areas in my life that are leading my life and that I need God's Holy Spirit power to strengthen that spirit so the spirit will influence these other areas in my life. And today, no more condemnation. I'm not hiding behind shame. I'm not hiding behind guilt. I need to be set free and I need to start this now. I'm going to find a few. I'm going to be countable, accountable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna join a team. I'm gonna get connected with people. Like this is, this is why I'm here. I know I have another step to take. If that's you, you're a Christian, but you got another step to take, would you raise your hand? I wanna pray for you in this moment. Yeah, just hold it up high. Like we're all on this journey, right? And we all have another step that God wants to do, another promise that he wants to fulfill in our life. That's awesome. God bless you guys for making that declaration. Put your hands down. Pray something like this today, Jesus. We ask that you would strengthen our hearts, strengthen our spirits, that you would, in fact, help us overcome condemnation, help us take that next step in this journey, whether it's through baptism or serving or getting connected. I am tired like Paul of giving into my flesh, of giving into my, my thoughts. And from this moment on, I'm asking you desperately to save me, to give me a new heart in Christ Jesus, in your name, amen, amen. Now you guys can celebrate with those that made decisions today. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.